Hello, my name is Nikki Toyamasito, and I'm the executive director of Christians for Social Action, and your host for this week's episode of 20 Minute Takes. This week, we talk with Heidi Weaver-Smith. She's an activist in Ohio and the founder of Love Boldly. She's also the executive director of Little Bottoms Free Store in Ohio. And she talks to us about her experience engaging with anti-trans laws in the state and the power of loving boldly and presence. Join us for this episode. Hello, Heidi. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of 20 Minute Takes. Thank you for having me. I was very eager to talk with you because I know that you have been on the ground and present in some of the conversations that are happening in Ohio, uh, your home state, uh, where you are located now, around uh, different laws that are being passed, the impacts of that on the trans community. Can you tell us, for someone who's maybe not exactly familiar, what are some of the laws that are coming up and what are the conversations they are sparking within your state? Yeah. So I'm certainly no expert on the uh, number or type of laws, but there are quite a number of anti-trans laws um, on the docket right now in Ohio. Uh, The current one that is um, getting a lot of attention right now is House Bill 68, which um, is a law that is imposing um, really outlawing uh, medical care for transgender children and also um, preventing uh, transgender children from participating in sports. Um, and so there's been a lot of conversation in Ohio about this. Um, I'm connected to some families on the ground here in Ohio that this deeply affects. And it's been a point of a lot of uh, contention. Um, Governor DeWine recently vetoed the bill. Um, and then that veto was just overturned um, just yesterday. Okay, so there's a lot of back and forth going on within Ohio of uh, law coming forward, it passing, the governor vetoing it, and then it, and then having a supermajority that then basically reinstated the law. Um, how did you personally get involved in this conversation, or what was it that um, that drew you into it? So I serve as the founder of Love Boldly, which is an organization that works within the Christian community to develop places where LGBTQ IA folks can thrive. And so we work with um, churches and with Christians who are, you know, asking those important questions around how I can build um, safer places for LGBTQIA folks. And so through that work, we've stayed connected to different legislation that is passing in Ohio. And in fact, we put out action alerts on different legislation that affects the LGBTQIA community in Ohio um, to our networks to just inform and educate Christians um, on how they can act up, speak out on behalf of the LGBTQIA people that they love. Um, I think, you know, as people of faith, we're called to, to befriend those who are most targeted and marginalized. And I've seen the ways in uh, my own life and in my community in which the LGBTQIA community has been unfairly targeted and marginalized. And so that inspires me as a person who uh, loves Jesus and wants to emulate the way that he lived and um, 
moved and was around those on the margins um, that bear a different witness than what sometimes has been the historic witness of the church to that community. And so I uh, have close friends, somebody that I've grown to know um, through through the years who has a trans child. And mm-hmm. uh, when House Bill 68 was uh, on the docket and being discussed, she reached out to me and said, hey, I, I don't feel safe speaking up and testifying against this bill publicly mm-hmm. in a way that outs my child. Um, mm-hmm. But I wondered if you would be willing to read my testimony, my story um, mm-hmm. on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, precisely the role that uh, straight cisgender allies can play. Um, and so I was very honored that she asked me and, um, and went to do that for her um, and for her family. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things people don't don't maybe understand about legislation like this, the impact that it has on the family for in her case, her family, um, you know, if they are prevented from getting medical care for her trans child, mm-hmm. they'll have to consider leaving the state um, mm-hmm. and, and moving and potentially splitting up their family um, in order to access the medical care that they need. And that's very troubling to me as somebody who loves her. Um, and cares about her and her family and their health and well-being. Um, and so I think that's the, the role we can play as Christians mm-hmm. in those moments. And, and is this, um, talking about medical care, that's specifically related to like transitioning surgery or that sort of a thing? Or is it related to medical care that takes into account, like are, are there sort of other general medical care that's needed that would be sort of very specific treatments for trans kids? Like, are we talking specifically about like sort of surgeries and hormone suppression, or is it actually a a broader category of medical care? That's a great question. Um, So there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding, I think, around what medical care looks like for transgender youth in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, So for instance, uh, surgeries are not performed on youth. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just not Mm -hmm. something that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know any doctor who would ever um, endorse or support um, surgical interventions with minors. Um, Mm -hmm. And that has been really clearly articulated by um, various medical societies, um, associations of children's hospitals here in Ohio and so on. Mm-hmm. But that is not a practice that is occurring. That is kind of what the bill is built around mm-hmm. is, is outlawing these sort of surgeries that are, are not occurring. Okay. Um, and so I think it's built on that fear that like families are electing to do this to children and experiment on children, right? Okay. There's this idea, this, this concern about that. Now, along with that bill also includes um, lots of limitations on all kinds of of care, Um, physicians being able to support trans youth uh, with hormone blockers and other treatments, even mental health supports. That's um, a huge concern. Mental health support would be included. Is the Uh mental health supports the way that that would impact both the mental health of transgender youth um, in that they won't be able to access care that they need to sort through these, um, their gender dysphoria. And, um, and so for the medical systems in Ohio, the children's hospitals in Ohio have really advocated, um, for changes to the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those changes have been made. Um, and, and one of one in particular change that they, they did make, I was very happy to see that has been made is, um, it, it would impact, for instance, people who are already on, hormone suppressants mm-hmm. or, or on hormone supplements 
um, if they suddenly couldn't access those, that would be a health risk for them to suddenly have to cut off from those medicals oh, and not, not uh-huh. have the time to, to transition that plan. Um, uh-huh. And so doctors are very concerned about the ways that could impact um, health overall. I see. So for those, those are particularly for patients who are kind of midstream in a process. Correct. Or, or yeah. plan. I see. Um, can you tell me about what it was like for you as a Christian testifying? It, there sort of seems like some element of kind of a spiritual practice almost to that. Yeah. I don't mean to impose my own view on on you on that, but it seems like it was a deeply significant yeah. practice it, or act for you. It, it was, I think, um, I think there's, there's something intangible and, and I don't know that I put it into words. Uh, it really um, embodied experience of being with those who are suffering and fearful of more suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to the state house, there were hundreds of LGBTQ activists, friends, family members, uh, so many people that they couldn't fit us in the room that they planned. So they moved us to another room and that room wasn't too big. And so hmm. we ended up in an atrium because there were like hundreds oh, wow. of us that came out to testify. The testifying went, I think until 11 o'clock that night. Um, hmm. There were just so many people who had submitted testimony against it, just advocating and sharing like how this would affect their children and their families and communities. Mm-hmm. And I think for me as a straight cisgender woman in that room, there was a sense of, um, uh, how do I put it? Like you can't look somebody in the eyes and maintain positions that would actively harm them without being confronted with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it it confronts you in a different way. Um, And I think it was for me, I think a beautiful experience to see so many people kind of banding together and, and supporting one another. It was Mm -hmm. an emotionally and spiritually supportive environment. There Mm -hmm. were pastors there. There were people there that were saying, this is not the witness of Christ to mm-hmm. this community, you mm-hmm. know, in the ways that they were embodying Christ's presence there. And that is, is really beautiful. I, for me, it was one of my favorite nights that I've had in a long time, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just being there and among them. And I think seeing what it meant to my friend and to others attached to our work to have us there was moving to me. I think sometimes I forget the impact Mm-hmm. just showing up, right? Like just choosing mm-hmm. to set aside your night and be there when somebody asks you. Yeah, I think I can easily become so busy with all the other things on my plate and it's it's hard to find time. But um, I think it, it reminded me how important it is to show up in yeah. those moments. That testimony of presence, kind of like physically taking up space. Um, yes. I mean, even as you're describing the moving from one room to the next room. Like that was a thing. And I think we lose that sometime in our Zoom culture a bit. Yeah. Um, now, the listeners for 20 Minute Takes kind of cross the spectrum of theological convictions about what they might think about this particular law. But do you have any advice that kind of regardless of what people think about the law, any thoughts about how you think Christians should show up in this conversation? Or if you have specific advice or tips for folks who do feel one way or the other, uh, we'd love to hear that as well. How, yeah. how can Christians be a, a positive presence um, in a in a pretty uh, difficult and charged uh, conversation that's happening in a lot of our states across the country? Yeah, that's a great question. I think 
I think it's, this is a topic that is so charged and I know that people come at it with very strong feelings, um, from all different perspectives. And I think particularly on this law, as it affects children, Mm -hmm. what's interesting is I think everyone, at least I would hope that everyone's core motivation is to protect children, right? Yes. Uh (laughs) That's the, that's the motivation, right? Um, and understanding the needs that children have, um, I think in this particular conversation and in others that I've been a part of around sexuality and gender identity, I think approaching with curiosity, it's Mm -hmm. very hard to maintain curiosity when you're angry or you're defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the conversation tends to break down, but I think putting yourself in a place where you can hear from those who are most effective and then Mm -hmm. embracing curiosity to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. why they have the views that they have and, and how this affects their lives on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, I think it's easy to draw conclusions and have opinions on things that might not affect us mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And there's just mm-hmm. so much misunderstanding that can grow there. Um, but I think when you speak to trans families, it it becomes a different thing. You You start to hear the nuance and the struggle and what they've been through and the struggles that their children have been through. And it, and even if you don't necessarily change your view mm-hmm. on what the end result should be, it grows your compassion for um, other people. And I think it helps you to have a more faithful view on it mm-hmm. as a Christian. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I was really just sort of challenged and encouraged by, you know, governor DeWine is, Ohio's governor um, is a Republican, maintains pretty conservative views on those things, mm-hmm. but he vetoed the bill because he took time to meet with patients and doctors and hear what is this process like and how is it going to affect Ohio's youth? And at the mm-hmm. end of that, came to the conclusion that this is not the bill, like this is not what's going to work well. Um, oh. And and had the I think integrity to say, you know what, even if I, even if I think there should be some reasonable limitations on things, uh-huh. and thoughtfulness and how we go about um, treating and supporting trans youth, this isn't it. This is, this is an overreach and it does, and it impacts uh, parents and medical caregivers making decisions for their children in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of these sort of middle ground, reasonable views we might come to if we could just sit down with one another, right. Mm-hmm. And listen to each other and hear each other out, mm-hmm. um, in a way that would, um, encourage greater understanding and empathy for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, as a Christian, am so moved by the ways that Jesus did that. Um, mm-hmm he had so much inquisitiveness, the number of questions when Jesus is asked questions throughout scripture and like tried to peg down to a certain viewpoint, the number of times he responds with a question, he he rarely gives an answer. Like Uh very rarely, he always responds with another question. And, Uh and I think that's um, a beautiful model for the ways in which I think Christians in the church can, can orient themselves in these conversations. Yeah. I love that kind of this, going to the folks who are sort of closest to the situation, having a curiosity and and open to hearing their experience of this. And I love that using Jesus as this model of, um, I, I don't know, I think sometimes we equate Christian faithfulness with the passion 
um, and that we with which we hold convictions and sort of this I know, yeah, like I I was sort of raised like oh if you really believe it then you will be unwavering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting. It's like, oh, as you're mentioning it, it is true as folks are like, well, Jesus, this or that Sabbath or no Sabbath, like which one should they do? Who was right? <laughs> and, and then he's always like, well, what about that? And, um, <laughs> which is sort of, it's sort of a reassuring thing, I think in these very, um, divisive times politically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's really helpful. Um, Heidi, what's one thing that you sort of wish as you've been in this conversation. Is there some sort of a hope or dream that you have? I think I wish that Christians broadly would know they have permission to love relentlessly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel sometimes our, our quest for our quest to follow Jesus very faithfully is such a head exercise and such a cognitive exercise that it stops us from just being very present and choosing just to love without abandon, you know, mm-hmm. with abandon, like just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a way, I think, I guess I'll speak from my personal experience. So when I was first interacting with the LGBTQIA community, I constantly felt like I was going to be, you know, going down the slippery slope or like going too far. If I, if I just let, let them talk and like, didn't interrupt and like, didn't correct or, you know, mm-hmm. didn't impose my view in that moment. And mm-hmm. I think what I've just learned over the years is that there's something, there's something really sacred and holy when you just sit with someone and just let them take up space Mm, mm -hmm. and like, don't try to correct or fix or persuade and Mm, just mm -hmm. let them be who they are and just love them lavishly in that. Mm -hmm. Even if you disagree, Mm -hmm. um, even if you maybe have a different viewpoint and and I, I wish the church and that Christians could embody that more. Um, I wish that more Christians would just come to come to the state house and just listen uh, to the testimonies of LGBTQIA Christians, right? Uh-huh. Even if they disagree, right? Just to to be a fly on the wall. Um, and I just think that that posture of showing up and shutting up is sometimes a, a really beautiful way to live and love um, and to let people teach you the things maybe that we. Um, can help us grow towards holiness in, in a surprising way. Oh, Heidi, thank you so much. That's, I think that's a really compelling hope to share um, and stirs something in me. So thank you, Heidi Weaver-Smith, for joining us on this episode of 20 Minute Takes. Thank you so much. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. Our music was created by Andre Henry, and this episode was mixed and engineered by Willowza Media. If you liked this episode, spread the word by subscribing, reviewing, or sharing. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito. If you want to find out more about our work, visit the website at christiansforsocialaction.org.